0: This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olscher. All righty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. It's Steve Olscher hanging out in Club Pod live on Clubhouse joined today by the one and only David Nagel super excited to have David here if you don't know David David is really uh, I mean just one of the original architects really when you come right down to the personal growth industry is the founder of the multi-million dollar global co- uh, coaching company uh, which is called Life is Now and a podcaster himself he's got a uh, a really awesome show that you guys should definitely check out if you haven't heard it uh, which is called The Successful Mind Let me just read a quick bio here for you, because I want to make sure you know who our special guest is here today. David's mission uh, is to really teach people to think successfully so they can experience personal freedom. Being in the coaching and mentorship industry for more than 20 years, David has helped tens of thousands of students from across the globe and, as I said, is really one of the architects of the personal growth industry. He started his podcast back in 2018 as a way to reach more people with his teachings, and He's amassed over 1.8 million downloads. So really honored to have David here and want to definitely talk about all the ways. I mean, so many things that you've done over the years, David. It's really an honor and a, and a privilege. I know you help people gain confidence and find the right mindset to increase their revenue, turn their endeavors into seven and eight figure ventures and, and and much, much more. So, man, I got to tell you, dude, I've been following your work for a long time. And uh, when Kelly said, we're going to have an opportunity to sit down and, uh, and chat with you, I I was just like, absolutely. I jumped at the opportunity there. So, David, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Love your show.
0: Yeah, well, really great being here and uh, hanging out with us on Club Pod. And so what I want to go ahead and do here is I I just want to start with, because it's an interesting story that a lot of people don't know. You never finished high school, right?
1: No, I didn't. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of people who sit there, and especially today, which is really interesting how things have kind of come, I don't want to say full circle, but look, we're we're in a, like my child right now, I've got two boys, uh, actually, I mean, I've got a stepson, he's 35, he's a grown-ass man at this point, but, the, uh, but my boys are 17 and 14, and my 17-year-old is just about to enter into his senior year uh, of high school, and we're starting to think about college. And now I'm starting to think about college. Like, does college even make sense anymore in the world that we live in right now? And and, and I'm not sitting here trying to say, look, you know, don't, don't get an education. Don't do this, that, and the other. But I mean, you're a perfect example of someone who doesn't have a college degree. And yet by so many measures, and maybe we'll even talk about your definition of success, but by so many measures, you're incredibly successful. How, how did... Not finishing high school. Do you think how? how do you think that cr- really shaped you into the man that you are today?
1: Well, probably through pain because um, my parents uh, got divorced when I was like 13, and I found myself on the streets of Chicago, kind of raising myself in a in one way or another. I got married early, um, started having a couple of children, uh, and just kind of followed this uh, idea that I had heard for you know one generation to another. Anyway, found myself in a position where I could not live up to the responsibility that I created, and I was horrified, absolutely horrified by it. And for two years, it kept getting worse. I went through a bankruptcy, my car was repossessed, we had to leave our apartment in the middle of the night to move to a neighborhood that we could afford to live in, which was not good, living next door to a drug dealer. It was bad, it was really bad. And every day I would come home from work and and here's my job at the time. I'm driving a forklift uh, in a food warehouse. And I would come home and literally break into tears because I could not understand how I got here. So I kept thinking, how do I change this? How do I change this? How do I change this? And the only thing that could come to my mind was, well, you should have went to school. So I would ask people, what do you think I should do? And they said, well, here's the problem. You should have finished high school and went to college, but you didn't. So just work for as much overtime as you can get because you're not going to get a job anywhere else, and that wasn't satisfactory to me. So it caused an intense amount of pain in me, uh, where eventually I got to the point of I had to change something.
0: Well, that's obviously that's like a cliffhanger. Like, <laughs> so what did you change? What happened? But I mean, look, the, there's there's so many different directions I want to go with this, but I. Mm, please finish the story. What in your mind had to change? And then I'd love to to just have that conversation, if you don't mind continuing yeah, down that yeah. path for a second, around around education, because I, I know from uh, all the things that I've read and things that I've seen about you, like just that, and, and Jim Rohn, of course, and others, Zig Ziglar mm-hmm. talked about this for so many years, you know, in terms of the self-education movement and why that's more important perhaps than the formal education movement. But what, what had to change, what did change, and then I, I'd love to get your take on it. Is it, it, especially since it's so near and dear where I'm at right now, like yeah. trying to figure out if we gotta put our kid into school or what we need to do.
1: I think, first of all, I think that it depends on what the child wants to do. Is it, is it you know, like if they're gonna be a doctor or a chemist or something that requ- requires a formal degree, they're gonna have to go through the educational system to be accepted into the realm of what they wanna do. But for many people that just wanna be a business person, it's completely not necessary. Um, And in fact, it's actually crippling in many ways. So the, the, the place that I found myself in was, I had I had literally gone to work one day, I was I was pulled into the office twice, reprimanded really bad. And I was I was so angry, I was upset, I didn't know which way to turn. I just started my day and I was working and like literally something fell over in the trailer and I just broke down and started to cry because I was driving a forklift, I was loading trailers. And I just started to cry. And I, I literally had like an emotional collapse over a period of about a half an hour. And I, I, I was like, what am I doing wrong? How the hell do I get out of this situation? And a voice in my head said, David, change your attitude. And that was all i heard but it was so distinct it was actually like to this day it i feel that it was almost outside of me um anyway i listened to it and i thought okay so if i'm going to change my attitude if that's something that could possibly get me out of this which i really didn't think it could i had no idea how changing how i showed up every day could totally change my situation around um would actually work let me, what would I in, change it to?
0: Yeah, can I stop you right there for a second, David? Because yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. Like, so for so for many of us, to make those sort of changes, we have to have a, at least an understanding of what that means or a role model or or someone who we can point to and say, I want to be like that. Did, did you have, like, was your family? I, I mean, you were living... No. Right, so how, how do you even know what that looks like?
1: I didn't. I didn't, but... The question that i asked myself was what do i change my attitude to because i didn't know how to change it and what popped into my mind was the guy that owned the company that i had worked for so the company was called kihi foods they're in lyle illinois at the time they were like the biggest food distributor in the world and the guy started the company out of his garage and and when you work there for a couple of years you hear the stories of how he started the company he started in his garage and he built it to this big conglomerate, and you know it was a, it was a big thing. And you, you would see Mr. Keehee walk through the warehouse and he would bring other corporate people because they had devised this system that was amazing, apparently, at day and age, able to produce this much uh, food for stores in the Chicagoland area, in the surrounding states. Um, re- relatively, really well, and he was showing them. You know, here's what here's what we did, here's what we created. And I would walk in the warehouse, and he would never walk past an employee and without stopping and saying hello, how's your family, how are you doing? And it, it impressed me because my whole life I grew up thinking that successful people, rich people, were basically assholes, and they wouldn't give you the time of day. They were just to take what you needed. Um, and I saw something different, and it caused a question in my mind, what's different about this guy? If I have attitude, what is it that I notice about this man? And I said, you know, he built it to this kind of an industry. He must have loved what he did. The second thing was my, he must have done really good at it. And what I recognized was I was constantly being reprimanded for doing shoddy work. I did not know how to give my best every day. And the third thing. David, was,
0: hold on tight. Time David, out for one was, second. Time out for one yeah. second. I got to get you in just a little bit of a better spot. You were good for, for a minute there and now you went a little robotic on us. Um, so if you can go back to maybe where you were, I don't know if you're walking, but just maybe back into that little spot just yeah. so we can get you clearer. Yeah. There you
1: go. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep.
0: Yeah, there you go. Thanks.
1: Okay. So, I recognized that I was not respecting other individuals in my life, anybody. And it was because I was so angry. I was so angry, I was so upset. Things were continually going wrong. And I didn't know how to change it. So I was not treating people well. And it was because I wasn't treating myself well. So I said, I'm gonna change those three things. I'm gonna act like I love what, act like I, love what I do, um, treat everybody with total respect, and do every job to the best of my ability. And as I was sitting on the forklift, thinking of those three things, there's another voice in my head that said, David, you've never stuck to anything in your life. What makes you think you're going to do this? And I was like, nope, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it for a year and see what happens. And in 30 days, my income tripled. And I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked at the results that I got from that change. And that then precipitated about seven years of study to figure out actually what I had actually done. Mm.
0: Really interesting. And and what I want to make sure you guys uh, have an opportunity to do here is is ping some people into the room. Uh, It's a rare opportunity to talk uh, with really one of the originators, one of the original architects, if you will, of of the personal growth industry here. So for us to be able to have this time with David Nagel, I mean, it's it's pretty rare to to be able to do this. So um, let me also do this, which is I want to make sure that I give my cohorts here, the opportunity to, to be a part of this conversation. I don't want to hog the microphone because Lord knows I can. Um, and and lots of things to circle back to. And we're talking about creating unstoppable success. Um, let me ask this question, then Sean, feel free to fire away after I ask David this question. Uh, and then we'll go to Stephanie and then Alex. Uh, how do you define success today, David? And, and perhaps how did you define success maybe 10, 20 years ago, or so at least in terms of the last definition you can come up with?
1: Well, like 30 years ago, actually, success to me was a destination. It was something that you eventually reached in your life. And over a period of time, I learned that's not what it is. It's about finding what you love to do, staying on that path, being consistent and committed to what it is that you're doing every day and consistently getting better to the point where you can create what you want and what you need whenever it is that you need it, including money. So it's changed dramatically for me over the years.
0: Yeah, and t- and so one of the definitions of success that I really like uh, is having the co- the courage. Got to get it out correctly here. Having the courage, the determination, and the will to become the person you were meant to be. So, do you do you feel like you are that iteration in this moment? Do you feel like you are the person you were meant to be, as 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 close to that as you possibly can be in this uh, at this moment in time?
1: I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Because I have followed this idea of, I have a purpose in life and my job was to find out what that was and then to work every day to bring that out to the best of its ability, which is what I've done since 1993.
0: Yeah, I love that. All right, let's kick it over to Sean and, uh, and then Stephanie, please feel free to uh, fire awesome. away some questions. Yeah, man.
2: Yeah, so... Um, did you want me to ask a question? You want me to answer your question around the uh, success question?
0: Yeah, let's let's just fire away at, uh, at David, man, because, again, there's a rare opportunity to, to pick this man's brain. So, yeah, let's, let's keep it focused on David, please.
2: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm super grateful to be here. And, David, I've followed your work uh, for some time. And uh, just uh, it's a pleasure and um, uh, just wonderful to have the space with you here. And thanks again, Steve, for bringing me in. Uh, my question for you, David, has to do with... Uh, how to your perspective on consistency with you you just answered you know that you've you really own that you are living kind of your that success um definition that you put in there and i just want to ask you like what do you think is this what do you think about is consistency critical to uh this idea of success and if so how do you advise people to become more consistent in how they practice, whatever they need to practice to be successful?
1: Sean, thank you so much for the question. And the answer is yes, it is absolutely critical. And what I work with, uh, with individuals that I've worked with for, for numerous years is the place at which they stop in their consistency. Um, because that was the biggest problem that I had. Like I would get an idea and then I would move forward and completely stop, whether it was fear or not knowing what to do or paying too much attention to what other people thought in my life. And I was stopping, stopping, stopping. And I did not understand that the answers were beyond the place that I was actually stopping in my life. So it took real courage to break through those places and go past what other people said you couldn't do or you couldn't be or you couldn't have in your life. And when I work with individuals, I always ask them, as, a, as a, what's in, what is interesting about this is, everybody has a sabotage pattern. Where do you stop in your progress toward what it is that you wanna be, do and have? If you can identify how they stop, you can bring consciousness to what's going on in that moment and help them break through it because their success is on the other side where they're stopping has to do with their history, what they've been told, the stories that they've developed, the pain that they've experienced, the failures that they have experienced. That's all history. So it's moving them beyond their history to keep moving toward the new idea and the the recognition and the resolution and the results that they actually can get in their life
0: yeah that's a great question a great answer sean did you have anything you want to follow up with before you uh, kick it over to yeah, stephanie yeah please i
2: would love to ask one more thing sure and thank you so much for that and that answer david um i wonder uh what you would say when you know you've done a lot of personal growth work and you understand the idea of basically taking on the mindset of being already where you want to be right like assuming that you already have what you want and working daily on visualizing or embodying or getting in the feeling tone of that thing Um, how to deal with the part of the mind that wants to bring you back to sort of you know sort of quote-unquote reality if there's this sort of part of you that sort of doubts a little bit that that's going to work And yet, you know, from everything you've studied and from everything you've experienced that it it does, but there's still that sort of nagging doubt. How do you crush that doubt and really officially say, okay, I'm gonna live into the person who, you know, consistently knows that when I step into the beingness of what I want, that it's,
1: you know, that it's coming to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So a matter of fact, that question plagued me for a long period of time as to why does why do human beings stop at that point when you don't see nature stop there nature never questions what it is or what it's supposed to do and i kept thinking you know this is really interesting like if you take a human being out of the environment that they were raised in would they literally stop in the same place and i don't think the answer is yes because i really believe that whatever it is that created the nature that is around us all over the globe created us. And there's a purpose to that. But nature doesn't stop there, but human beings do. Why do human beings stop there? Because somebody told them to stop there. So wh- I do a teaching called "It um, Understanding Your Core Wound. What is it? that is deep inside your subconscious mind that is causing you to stop in that place and understanding it so that you can literally move forward. Because the whole idea is that if you have a desire inside of yourself, that, in my opinion, and the results that I've gotten for almost 30 years now, is that that desire is God's promise to you of the result that you can get moving forward if you would just listen to it. But most people are never taught to listen to their desire. They're taught that um, dreaming or daydreaming or having dreams is not practical. It's not scientific. Um, You have to follow what's going on in the world. And actually, what's going on internally inside of us is the direction that we're supposed to follow to get to the thing that that we're actually put here to do
0: super interesting thank you for that sean thanks for the answer david uh, if you're thank just you. yeah if you're just joining us we're talking to david nagel today uh david is the well he's a podcaster maybe you didn't know that he's got a, a really uh interesting show uh almost 2 million downloads on the show called the successful mind uh, many of you probably are familiar with his book called the millions within how to manifest exactly what you want and have an epic life Uh, And you may have seen David in any former capacity over the last 30-odd years here uh, as one of the original architects of the personal growth industry. So it's a rare opportunity to be hanging out uh, really with the legend of the space. And uh, and feel free to raise your hand, be a part of this conversation, ask questions. We do like to keep things really interactive here Uh, in Club Pod. I've invited a few people to join me up on stage, Sean Stewart and Stephanie and Alex and so on. So I want to make sure they have an opportunity uh, as well here. But if you want to be a part of the conversation... Just raise your hand. You know how to do it. It's bottom right there on your screen. And of course, feel free to ping people in. Just tap that little plus sign uh, and invite folks in who you know could benefit from being a part of this conversation. And of course, uh, if you're not part of Club Pod, just put your thumb on that little green house there at the top. And uh, make sure you join us in Club Pod because we've got rooms going pretty much 24-7 all around the world of podcasts, podcast culture, the podcast industry, and everything related to... This world as well, including how to create unstoppable success. And uh, in the world of podcasting, when so many people end up quitting, and and they succumb to that pod fade and and give up and so on. uh, This is a really timely conversation. So let me kick it over to Stephanie. uh, And then, uh, of course, Alex, you'll be next. So Stephanie, please.
3: Hey, David, I'm usually wearing a bright pink shirt, so to speak, on Clubhouse, so it's an honor to be up here with you, and I will just briefly say, Steve, that David Nagel is the reason I am on Clubhouse. I've been following him for 14 years, and one day, about four months ago, he sent out an email to his list that he was going to be coming on Clubhouse, and I knew what a rare opportunity it was, so I wound up getting on here, so I've talked with him a few times and been following him 14 years, so David... I would like to, especially for the benefit of the audience, I listened to your, you and Allie Brown's program, The Seven Mindset and Manifesting Secrets of Multimillionaire Entrepreneurs, like back when we had CDs still listen to it a lot. And I would love for you to talk to this audience about basically when you knew that you weren't cut out for your job anymore, and that you were ready to change your yearly income into your monthly income and beyond. So I would love for you to tell this amazing audience that story.
1: I'd be happy to. Thank you very much. And and you're taking me back there with Allie. That's that's for sure. That was such a great program that we created. That's that's probably going back like 2006 2007. Yeah. Yep. Um yeah, for sure. Um so what was happening with me was I literally decided to start following Um, the ideas that were really internal to me, the things that were pulling to me, because the things that I was told and taught to do were not working at all. When I made the change on the forklift to change my attitude and I saw my income triple, I was so blown away by what happened that it caused me to start to study. So I was picking up everything that I could. Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, like every every book on on cassette tape now <laughs> that I could possibly get. And I listened to it consistently. So I really started to believe that there was this idea and this reason that I was going through what I was going through and I needed to understand how to listen to it. And I began to keep listening. I finally met the person that became My mentor, who was Bob Proctor, uh, an amazing man, like I would not be here today if it was not for him. However, one day he said to me, he said, how would you like to turn your annual income into a monthly income? And when he said that to me, my mind just spun because at the time I was making about $62,000 a year and I could pretty easily see how different my life would be if I was making that in a monthly basis. And then he said to me, You have the ability to do that right now. And that's where he kind of started to lose me because I was like, Uh-huh. Like, how like how can that even possibly be? But I did have the experience of tripling my income in a month. So it kind of stuck with me, like, what is there that is going on that I really don't know about? So as I began to work through that process. What I realized was that the thing that was causing me from keeping my annual income, a monthly income was this ingrained ethic of working hard. And I'm not talking about like, we need to work hard. We need to be diligent in the work that we do. I completely believe in that. But very often when you tell somebody from birth that hard work is the answer, hard work is the answer, what they end up creating in their subconscious mind is that if it's not hard, it's not worth anything. And I fell under that spell at some point in my life. I couldn't tell you where, but at some point in my life, I fell under that spell. And what I realized was that the way that I was approaching my business very early on was that I was making everything difficult, and I didn't realize that I was doing that. And I, I challenged myself for three months to get to the place where I could do what he suggested that I could do. Take my annual income and make it a monthly income. So at that point in time, my income had dropped a little bit. I was about $50,000 a year because I had just started my company. This was like 1999. And I'm working, working, working. The first month, nothing happened. I was so far away from that number as a monthly income. It was was disgusting Like in my mind. How could, how could I work so hard and not get any closer to that goal? So then I tried again and the second month it was the same way. So when I called my mentor, he said to me, he said, listen, he said, I keep telling you it's easier to make $50,000 a month than it is $50,000 a year. You're not listening to me. So when I got off the phone with him, I thought to myself, it's easier. It's easier. It's easier. What does that mean? It's easier. I'm making this hard. And that's when it first really started to get into my consciousness that I, as a person and how I was approaching business and how I was approaching my work, were actually making things difficult subconsciously. And I started to look at what I was doing and I said, okay, so if I was to make this as easy as it possibly could be, what would it look like? And that month I reached the 50,000 in the first two weeks. And it never went backwards from that place because I got the message. I got the lesson and the business just took off from there. So that's, that's the story.
0: I appreciate that. Stephanie, thanks for the question. And, and David, in a, in a practical sense is kind of the guy that's really a linear thinker and, and, and I struggle to get from point A to point B sometimes. Like in a practical sense what did you actually do because i think that's one of the, the the keys just like for for the for the average joe jane and i put myself in that bucket when you're looking to turn your your yearly income into your monthly income I, i'm always curious like okay i get it it's a mindset thing i don't have to work as hard i can work easier but there's still some there there are practical steps that have to happen in order for you to to achieve that result so like what would you recommend someone does in a practical sense to make that happen? Because I, yeah, let me just leave it at that.
1: Absolutely. So I can completely answer this question. Um, when I started off in my business, the way that I got introduced to this industry was through Proctor and he, what I did was I bought the, the licensing agreement to be able to teach, his seminars. So I went to got got trained how to teach his seminars. However, that was all they taught you to do. You had to fill the seminars yourself. You had to put the people in the seats. And what we charged at that time was like $495 per person. But they did, they gave you no help. Like you had to go out there and like hump the streets yourself to figure that out. There was no social media, internet was in its infancy. You like it was door to door type type thing. And I had, I had done that, and what I really found out really quick was once I got out of the people that I knew that were kind of like, okay, I'll come to your seminar because I'm your friend type thing, I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I had to figure out how do I sell? How do I market? How do I do those things? However, I was stuck at the price range of about $495 a person. And I realized that at that number, with the amount of people that I had on my so-called list at the time, if you would even call the list, there was no way I was ever going to get to $50,000 a month. So I started thinking, okay, well, what would be the easiest way? Like if it was the easiest, 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 that like one person would pay me 50 grand to be able to work with me. And I thought, well, that's not going to happen. Like I was not there in my mind yet as that I was worth or what I was teaching was worth 50,000, but I did get to the place where I could raise it to fifteen thousand, because I did see the results that people were getting that I was actually working with. So, so I justified in my mind that it was fifteen thousand, and that's how I got to it in two weeks. I raised yeah. my price, but that's where the personal growth part comes in.
0: Yeah, and is that is—I guess at the at the end of the day here, especially in this world of where you're where you're almost selling an intangible. Like, how do you put a price tag? on giving someone their life back, right? Like you, you, I mean, it's, it's such a hard thing to, to, to price. So especially in the world of coaching and you know, any, any world where it's not just like a, a physical product, right? So please.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good question. And, and, but actually it's not that hard. So the question is what problem do you solve? And I was working with business people and I was working specifically with the amount of money that they were that they were currently bringing in for themselves. And the question then became, what is it that that person wants? How much do they actually want to earn in their business and, in, in in what it is that they're doing in their life. So if that number was above whatever it is that I charged, it was completely well worth it. Um, Here's this is, this is something that happened to me that really kind of shifted my mind around this. I was working with a guy who would buy and sell, land deals to China. And I don't know how he found me or or how he ever got near me or anything, but he asked me to help him. And what I realized was that he did not understand how to communicate with the Chinese in order to do contracts. And what I knew because of the experience that I had in a previous job that I had working for somebody else was how meticulous the Chinese were in the every little bit of the contract and he was not getting this. So I, I really taught him how to communicate with these individuals in order to sign these land deals. And he did $200 million in a very short period of time. And I had only charged him $4,000 to do that. And I thought to myself, that's crazy. Like, that's really crazy. Yeah. You just charged this guy $4,000. He did 200 million in one deal. What is the worth of what you taught him? and that really kind of started to shift my mind as to how high i could actually go and what i was charging people
0: yeah that's a great point totally totally can see how the the two are connected in terms of turning your yearly income into your monthly income when you look at it from that perspective it's pretty easy to 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 increase by by 12 fold what it what it is that you're charging for that kind of result i don't want to hog everything here alex i know you've been patiently waiting uh nick and angel brought you up as well Uh, Alex, why don't you fire away a question for David Nagel?
4: Sure thing. Uh, Thanks, Steve, for sharing the platform. I really appreciate it. And David, a pleasure to meet you here. Uh, My my question's a little bit of a, I guess, a subject shift here. But when I'm just thinking about creating unstoppable success, I've learned more and more the need for self-discipline in that, for being self-disciplined to your routines, to the things that you know are important to drive the needle forward in business. And as somebody, I do consider myself to be very self disciplined. As a matter of fact, I think that most of my friends and colleagues I work with would say that's probably one of my top strengths, if you will, is, is understanding the need for it and being self disciplined. But even at that level, and I say as humbly as I can, I still do struggle with it. So I'm just wondering if you know any, if you have any suggestions or ways that you can just be able to boost the ability to be more self disciplined to stay on task with what you know to do, other than maybe just doing what's easy or not important. And if that question doesn't make sense, let me know. I'll reframe it. A little no, bit. that's
1: great. It makes absolute sense. And I think it's extremely important. And here's something that always causes a question in my mind. You don't, so self-discipline the way most people think of it is, can I give myself myself a command and follow it? Can I get myself to do what I say I'm going to do every single day? And I think that, that there's a lot of accuracy to that. However, if you look at somebody who is chosen to do what they love to do every day, that almost becomes a non-obstacle. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. They lose the sense of time. They're totally committed to what they're doing. They'll just do it over and over and over again. And I think that there's a clue there for most people as to what is it that is really drawing your heart into doing what it is that you wanna do in your life. Why are you really doing it? The more you go with the love of what you want to do, the less having to make yourself do it, you actually come up against. Now you're always going to come up against it to some degree, because there's some things that we just have to make ourselves do because that's life. Um, but for the, for the big things, like if we're going to really tackle, you know, why am I here? What am I going to do? What is my, my job or my business? If we start to follow our heart, I think that 90% of it becomes a wash because it's the thing that you wanna do the most. And then it, and then it's easier to do the things that maybe you're not skilled at or you're not disciplined at to get yourself to do until you can actually find other people to do those things. That's my recommendation because, because here's what I know about myself. My whole childhood was this description of, David doesn't study, Therefore, he's not a good student. We have no idea why he passed the tests at the end of the semester, but it's not good enough. So I could not pick up a book and read a history book and actually get myself to retain it because I wasn't interested in it. But the one thing that I was interested in, the only thing I was interested in when I was in school was science. And I could read a science book and learn so much listening to the person who was lecturing science that, I, that they've actually asked me to get up and teach the class when I was a kid, but with everything else I would fail. So I, 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 I got this idea like maybe that's not true for you if you're doing something you're interested in. And when I became very interested in my own potential and human potential, I had no problem reading, no problem retaining, no problem reciting it back, no problem uh, implementing it in my life. And I was like, that is not the experience I had as a a child. So it really, really piqued my interest as to why that was. And whenever I've worked with somebody that has had that issue about self-discipline, I've asked them, are you doing what you absolutely love to do? And if not, how can we get somebody else to do those things, especially if it's in a business, um, where you can, you know, literally delegate that to someone else. So you can stay right in the lane of what you're most amazing at.
4: I'm taking a lot of great notes here. <laughs> Steve, would it be okay if I do a follow-up question? If yeah, please. Time,
0: so yeah. And then we'll definitely get to Nick, uh, as well, please.
4: Okay. So, um, David, that's super helpful. Like I said, I, I took a lot of notes here. Um, now here's, here's kind of where my thoughts at I'm I'm earlier stage of starting a software company, which I'm, I'm super passionate about, I absolutely love what I'm doing. So I'm following my heart with it, but sometimes I'm in the day to day and they are the important things that as the founder, I need to be doing, but sometimes it can be difficult to see the parts that I love about it when I'm deep in the trenches, if you will. So I'm wondering how do you keep the love in the heart front of mind when you're deep in the trenches like this?
1: Because the biggest problem that people have when they're deep in the trenches is that they don't think they can afford to hire other people to do the things that other people are great at. And we have been raised with this idea that we have to do everything ourselves, Like it is an absolute ethic, especially in North America, that do everything yourself. It It has been traditionalized for a couple of hundred years and it's absolutely false. So the idea is this, if you know what you're good at, and you're doing other things that you don't particularly like, that are not your wheelhouse, that you should be hiring another expert to do, most of the time, the problem is that you think you can't afford to hire this person, and that's absolutely incorrect. You can't afford not to hire that person because that person is gonna take you so far past where you are, but you don't know that because you don't have the experience yet, that you're stuck in, there's absolutely no way I can afford to do it. And with everybody that I've ever met in 28 years, that has been the principal reason that they won't hire somebody else is they don't think they can afford it. They don't know how, how they're going to pay for it based on where they at, where they're at in their business at that time. Yeah. I love that,
0: you know, and it's, and it's interesting too, because there, this is a, maybe, uh, maybe this is just me. So, okay. I, I won't put this in in sort of the euphemistic way here. Maybe this is just me, but I I, I do know and follow up, and this segues nicely into what you're talking about here, Alex. And then I promise, Nick, you're you're up on this. Um, you know one one of the things that for for me I know to be true is that I'm here. Like we're having this conversation because I, I've survived my worst day. How do I know I survived my worst day? Because I'm here and I'm, and I'm having this conversation with you, right? And, and so it's interesting because no matter what, I mean, really, yes, there are some there are some extenuating circumstances where people literally fall into hard times and end up in the streets. And, you know, that does happen. And I'm not trying to make light of that. But for, I would say, 99.9% of the people listening to my voice right now if push really came to shove, there is someone who you could reach out to who could help in some way. So I, so the point being, I think we, we in our minds, and again, maybe it's just me, we kind of blow these things up in, in, in crazy proportions in terms of the whole world is going to end if X, Y, or Z happens or X, Y, or Z doesn't come to fruition. So how we're here, we made it to this point, we survived, how do we let go then of that, that last little bit that's holding on to our just simply going for it, whatever that it might be?
1: <clears throat> okay, great question. First of all, I don't believe anybody ends up in the street unless they choose to be there, okay? I'm, I am not in the victim mentality at all. As human beings, we have got to realize that we have stories that have been projected into our minds by other individuals that cause us to stop in places that we think we can't move forward from. That does not mean that is the end all. So, um, one of the things that I learned very early on was that if you have a desire for something, the opposite side of that, based on the law of polarity, which is that everything in the universe has an equal and opposite side to it must be here. Now, I want everybody to really think about that. It doesn't matter what you need, what you want, or what you desire. If you know what that is, the other side of it must be here. It's like the answer to every problem is here in a solution. And everything that is based on that law is connected to one another. So you can't have one side without the other. That also means that the other thing that you need is already here and it's closer to you than you think. However, Human beings are really interesting creatures because our, the way of, the way our, our brains actually work. If we get indoctrinated in a way to see the world um, that says that the world is one way, that's all we'll see. That is the only thing that we'll see. If we see everybody's in poverty, that's what we'll see, and we'll see all the reasons for it. So if you see that you can't do something because your parents couldn't do something, or there were horrific, Uh, stories about people that went broke. That's all that you'll see. It doesn't mean that the other side is not here. But understanding that the other side is here can, can be a tool, if you will, to say, okay, listen, this may be the only thing that I see, but that doesn't mean it's the truth. The truth is, if I'm experiencing one side of something, the other side must be here. You can't have anything without the opposite side to it. And if the other side is not if the other side is here why am i not seeing it and that was the, the lesson that i learned when i was on the forklift and i tripled my income because the opportunity to do that was around me for two years and i did not see it as an opportunity or anything else i just didn't see it all i saw was how miserable i was how stuck in my problem i was and how do i get out of the specifics of my problem i couldn't see beyond it but when i changed my attitude it totally changed my perception of what I could see. And all of a sudden I saw another opportunity that was in front of me that I could previously not see. And it allowed me to go from one place to another instantaneously. And that's what I've been doing with people for 28 years. Yeah. The other side, the opportunity, the 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 results, the resources, the money, the people, they're all here, but you have to give up holding on to your story about why they're not.
0: Wow. Hope you guys heard that. That I mean, just so profound there. Thank you for that. If you're just joining us, we're hanging out with David Nagel here. He is a, well, a highly successful podcaster among other things with the show called The Successful Mind, with uh, with almost two million downloads, best selling author of The Millions Within. Lots more questions here, uh, and want to make sure we get to to everyone. Nick, I know you've been so patiently waiting. Thank you for that. Uh, and then we'll kick it over to Angel as well. So Nick, uh, really good having you here, man. Question for David Nagel.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Steve, thanks for bringing me up. And uh, I've been listening intently, David, uh, taking notes as well. And actually, my question, I think, follows on from Steve's to some extent. I just want to go back to what you said at the beginning where, you know, when your mentor was saying, you know, the word easy to you, you know, it's easy, David, it's easy. And then obviously use the example about um, how you um, impacted that to your income. But my, my question is a practical one to some extent around mindset is that, if someone says that to you, like, you know, it's easy or it's there in front of you, you just have to see it. But there is a block. Someone is stuck. You know, they want to go from stuck to unstuck or they want to go from stuck to unstoppable to use use the title of this room. What what are the practical things that people can do around that? I I appreciate it's about awareness,
1: Mm.
5: but I also appreciate there are some tools or there's some things that people have to kind of lean into and understand to be able to unblock. I'd just love to hear your perspective on that.
1: Yeah, so that goes back to what I was mentioning about a, a core wound or the patterns that we develop as children, um, which are precisely developed in order for us to survive our, to survive our childhood. Um, you know, when you're, when you're born into this world, you absolutely need your parents in order not to die. If you're going to survive, you need your parents. And we're the one species that needs parents the longest. So what ends up happening is that we begin to model and pattern after our parents, whether we like them or not, has nothing to do with it, for our survival. But in the patterning of that, what we end up giving up is the authenticity of ourself. The more we give that up, the less we know about ourselves as we move into our adult being. When we move into our adult being, well, then what do we have? We have the patterns that we developed to allow us to survive our childhood but that does not work in adult life because when you move into being an adult your parents are no longer the authority of what you do you are but if you don't know that subconsciously you will continue to follow the pattern that your parents gave you and that you developed all of your childhood so when i when when my mentor was saying to me david it's easy david it's easy the first two months i mean i was pissed i thought oh, this guy's just making fun of me. Like, he, like this is a joke to him. Of course it's easier for him. He's a multimillionaire. This is not easy for me. But when I realized that the reason I was so stuck on making things hard was because that was the pattern that my father had developed in his life. And that's what he had told me all of my life. And the reason I was so hooked into the pattern of making it hard was because of my relationship with him. Then I was able to realize what I had actually done. And why I couldn't see it, so that did come a little bit later. Um, but 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 honestly, whatever pattern you're hooked into that is keeping you where you are is because you have an allegiance to whoever you agreed with in order to adopt that pattern. And most of those agreements, like quite honestly, they're subconscious. They're not they're not conscious. But what you do know is that if you don't have a if you if your pattern is not allowing you to move forward, it is definitely hooked to someone in your childhood. There's no question about it.
5: Sorry, Steve, can I ask? Yeah, please, as well? sure. Yeah, I love this, by the way, David. So, so part of what you said, there is awareness and realization, get that. Is, is that enough? I mean, once you realize that that's happening, is that enough to move forward or is there something else that you need to do to kind of lean into that to maybe believe that there is a, a different way of thinking or a different pattern that can then affect you?
1: It's absolutely not enough. This is a great question. So what it really comes down to is how much do you want something different in your life? And every single case of every person I have ever worked with in 28 years, if they did not want it bad enough, they would not let go of the pattern that kept them safe in their childhood, period. And there's nothing else there. It's you either want it bad enough or you want your what kept you safe in your childhood one of the one of the misconceptions of our childhood is that there's an actual place called safety because there isn't there's no safe place to keep your money whether you invest it or put it with someone else or it's in a business or it's in your mattress in your house so there there is no place called safety safety is our ability and our awareness to be able to respond effectively based on the idea of cause and effect to create the result that we want in our life. That's the only thing that keeps us safe. It is not a destination. So you have to absolutely want to move through the idea of safety into why you're here in order to get the result that you want so that you can break those patterns. Otherwise you won't.
0: Wow. Super powerful. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And David, I know you just got a call there. So hopefully you're, okay, clear on that. Sorry about that. No, 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 no worries uh angel let's go to you and then uh michelle and jesse just flash your mics i I definitely want you guys to hang out here but i just want to see if you if you have a question flash your mic and then i'll obviously get to you there okay good 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 all right so angel please fire away
6: yeah awesome so david thank you so much for being here and thank you steve for bringing me up onto the stage my question for you david and and i actually just had a revelation in, in that last uh piece that you just talked about um my parents invested in a piece of property, when I was probably 18, 17, 18 years old, that ended up being a hazardous waste dump. And they just kept investing in it and investing in it and investing in it. And like, just in this moment, I'm seeing that that's a pattern that I have been doing in my own business. So even though the title here is how to create unstoppable success, my curiosity and my question is, how do you know when to to fold them? And, and stop uh, engaging in forward momentum and investing in uh, you know things that aren't aren't working as the you know as you visualize them
1: so if you're talking about outside of your parents correct yeah yeah so it's data it's it's the data it's 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 letting the data give you the information on what to do <clears throat> pardon me if you, if you if anybody takes a class in like how to invest in stocks, one of the first things they teach you is do not become emotional in your investment ever because that'll kill you. The idea is what is it doing and what is its potential and what is it not doing? And you make decisions from that standpoint. And when people do that based on the facts, they actually make educated decisions and not emotional decisions because almost all emotional decisions are tied back to your parents investing in a waste dump someplace.
6: Okay, so can I uh, follow up, Steve?
1: I wish you would, please do.
6: (laughs) My question now, David, is you mentioned earlier about we have to follow our heart and have passion. Can you tell me the distinction between passion and emotion?
1: Yeah, but so I actually don't call it passion. I call it desire. Um, and the reason that I call it desire is because it goes back to the early Greeks. It, I had this question. So let me let me just explain this really quick, because I think it'll it'll make more sense. Um, I I had this real big question in my mind as to why is it that every bit of nature knows exactly what to do with its life, but human beings are so screwed up they can't figure what is left from right, in so many cases. It didn't seem to make any sense to me. And I asked myself, is it that we don't have the direction that is in us when we're born, or is that nobody is telling us that we do and we don't know how to follow it, and they're actually telling us to follow something else? So I did a tremendous amount of study around this, and I did a tremendous amount of working with other individuals around this, and I came to the firm conclusion that we absolutely have that direction in us, and it starts to become known as the desire that we feel inside of ourselves. But that is different than just wanting something or needing something. Desire is something that you seem to be emotionally connected to, that you feel like you absolutely have to have. But it doesn't need to make logical sense because the universe works in a way where it's got to get you back on your path for your purpose. So very often, logical sense in our mind has a lot to do with the way our parents told us life works, the way they told us money works, business works, excuse me. If we follow that only, we're apt to stay exactly where we are. But desire will always take you in the right direction for what it is that you want if you're willing to let go. So I don't use the word passion, I use the word desire. And I think that when 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 you ask yourself this question, what do I think about in my secret thoughts? The thoughts that I don't tell anybody about, the things that I want to be, the things that I want to do, the things that I want to have, that's where the answer is. It's in that place. Because the reason you don't tell anybody about it is because you worry about what other people think based on how you were raised. Interesting. Thank you, David. Yeah. You're welcome.
0: Yeah. Super powerful here. All right. Let me, let me do this, David, before, um, before we hit the top of the hour here, I want to make sure because, um, uh, Yeah. Are we okay to go a little bit past the top of the hour or do you have a hard cutoff? No, we can go. We can go. Okay. All right. Good, good, good. But for those who do have a hard cutoff, I want to make sure uh, that they have an opportunity to connect with you. Uh, Where's the best place for folks to go find? Obviously, your your podcast is The Successful Mind, your book, The Millions Within. Uh, I think you've got a free resource you want to share as well. So why don't you do that? And and yeah, let's do that. And then we'll get to Michelle's question. And uh, of course, if anyone else has a question here, feel free to raise your hand. And uh, Mods, I'll, I'll, I'll manage that, so I'll bring people up here. But yeah, feel free to join the conversation. But yeah, David, if people wanna get in touch with you, what so should what they do? So they can
1: do, oh, absolutely. So what they can do is they can DM me on Instagram. I just got done teaching this to a couple of thousand people and they type in the word grow. If you type in the word grow, we'll give you the recording of that teaching that I did, absolutely free of charge. And you could hear much more about this in a more formatted way that that makes really logical sense, step to step to step. So it's my DM, my Instagram, grow, and you'll, compl- and you'll get it, we'll send it to you.
0: There you go, awesome. Uh, all right, Michelle, please, fire away question for David Nagel.
3: Amazing, thank you, Steve, and good to see you, Sean. David, this is my first time meeting you virtually, hearing about you, and I hopped over to Instagram. I love the content that you're putting out. I wish that I had been here for the whole interview, Um, But I'm going to ask my question, and if it's a repeat, um, I can pivot and ask something different. But um, on your Instagram, you have the laws of um, the universe and the law of perpetual transmutation. Um, I was reading the quote that you have with it. It says that um, it's the law that states that everything is constantly moving from non-form to form and back again. And it's the creative process and also explains prayer. I'm an artist and I'm a creative. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because it's super fascinating to me. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah. thank you, thank you. I'd I'd absolutely be happy to. So it's a a fascinating law. First of all, there's seven laws, there's seven universal laws, and you will find those laws validated in both science and religion anywhere that you go. Um, The perpetual law of transmutation of energy is basically so let let me let me help let's think about this in a real simple way if you think about rain um you have water that exists on the earth and as it evaporates it turns into a non-form and then becomes etheric and as it becomes etheric it, it condenses as it cools it turns back into a form and it falls back down to earth you also have the seasons of the year as we go through fall the leaves turn they change they drop those leaves then turn into Um, you know, basically food for the earth, and we have great soil because of it, and then new life springs from it. With human beings, we have something that I think is one of the most fascinating things that is not talked about all that much, and that is our imagination. It is one of the faculties of our conscious mind, and most people don't even know what the faculties are of our conscious mind. Matter of fact, I was at a seminar one time with Bob Proctor where there were 2000 school teachers, and he asked them, do you know the faculties of the conscious mind and not one of them raised their hand. What was interesting about that is if they don't know it, how could they actually teach it to our children? But one of the faculties, one of the most important faculties is imagination. And imagination is our ability to build an image of something that nobody has ever seen. And I love to use the, the story of, of Edison when he created the light bulb because we all know what the light bulb is. but What most of us don't realize is that before Edison had an image of a light bulb in his mind, nobody had ever created a light bulb before because it was like he couldn't ask somebody else, like, what do you think about if I create a light bulb? It's a little bit different than what you created, but you know, it'll do this. There was nothing. We had candles and we had oil lamps and gas lamps. That was it, no electric light. So he has this image in his mind and the story is that it took him a few thousand tries or whatever it was in order to actually create it through the scientific process um, so that we have it on Earth. But here's something else that's really fascinating about this story. When Edison created the light bulb, nobody had electricity going to their house. Like there were not there were not electric generators that or wires or anything that was sending electricity to people's homes. He created this bulb first as the desire for human um evolution you know like societal evolution he had some kind of idea in his mind that this is where we were going and he needed to like the world so when he did this it created a desire and everybody else to want this which then caused us to do things that most people wouldn't be interested in from from the very beginning anyway which would be you know creating generators that would create electricity like in niagara falls and 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 all the funding that it took to be able to wire um people's homes, but it didn't exist before he had the image in his mind. And if you think nothing that humans have created was ever here until it was an image in somebody's mind. So if it's an image in somebody's mind, where is the information for that? Where does it exist? Because human beings are not the first thing in this universe, right? Not by a long shot. It exists in the universe. The information is 100 percent equally present in all places at the same time. If we tap into that image in our mind from our desire and we build a very clear picture of what we want, there's no question that what human beings have the amazing ability to do is to create from the no thing. We can create from the universal intelligence and bring that intelligence down into the physical reality that we're actually living with. And the more we create, the more we understand that we can create. And we keep pulling that information from the universe, and that allows us to expand um, socially and globally.
0: Wow. Super powerful. Yeah. Michelle, you good on that?
3: Great. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Wow. Really good. Sean, anything else? I see you flashing the mic. I don't know if that's just applause, but I want to make sure you have an opportunity. Yeah, please, Sean.
2: Yeah, I would love to thank you so much, uh, Steve and David and all the great questions. Just insanely amazing. I am I'm, I'm buzzing with all kinds of insights. I have just the follow up because I have studied Bob Proctor for a long time as well. And uh, I know you have, um, you know, worked with him and, and you, you really have brought a whole nother level to that um, to that uh, breadth of knowledge. And I wanted to just ask you because you brought up the core wound As the thing that basically we're attached to that needs to be let go of that story as kind of the breakthrough uh sort of the source of the breakthrough sounds like at least from this conversation and then there's this other thing that bob has brought into my awareness very much so lately which is the self-image and the idea that we will never go beyond our self-image we'll never create success beyond what we see ourselves as and our self-image and so I have been working on, you know, what I want, what I need to do to really step, you know, you said you really need to want it, right? And I really want it, okay? Like there's no, okay. there's no two ways about it. I wanna know if the best use of my energy, if, it doesn't have to be either or maybe it's both, but is to, you know, focus on the transformation of this core wound A or B work on, you know, really living into this self image, like at a level that I've never really taken the time to develop like a life script and go deep into it or if it's both or what or where you would guide me to just be like, it's breakthrough time, Sean, what do you got to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I completely agree with Bob with the self image. Um, The the, there's three basic human needs when we're born and then then it expands to six. So the, the three first human needs are love, security, and self-esteem. Um, love is the connection in which we have with our parents. It allows us to communicate to get our needs met because we're li- obviously we're linguistically challenged when we're born. So we have to learn to communicate with, with mom and dad to get our needs met. And we feel that energy between that interaction. If that energy is calm and we're getting our needs met, then we feel secure. If it's not, we feel insecure. And whether we feel secure or insecure begins to determine the image of ourself that we actually start to develop. So it can go either way and it can change many times over as we go through our childhood, as you would expect, because people change, you know, circumstances change, we have different experiences. So as we're developing as children, we start to develop this internal self-image. The problem starts when our image starts to differentiate a bit from the idea of what our parents think we should be. And if that is different, most people do this really strange thing because it's the only place in nature that we see this is with human beings. We literally give up who we think we are in order to maintain the security with our parents. So we will then make an unconscious agreement to follow the beliefs and the values of the parents that are raising us or the people that are around us at that time, because that's how we get our, that's how we get our needs met. So if you're if you are going after something that you want, and you're having trouble getting it, the first thing to pay attention to is where do you stop? And wherever you stop, there's a reason that you stop there. So the idea is why? Why do you stop at the place that you do? Because there's no reason to stop there, if you're thinking about it from a universal principle perspective, there's no absolutely no reason to stop there. Everything that you could possibly want or desire is already here, and as long as you continue down that road, you'll manifest it. And I will say this, it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. Not, I'm totally for good, but we have so much evidence in our history uh, as human beings that the bad can manifest just as easy as the good. So. It will manifest because the universe doesn't determine what's manifested, it just supplies what's manifested. The greatest power human beings have is the ability to choose. So we choose out of the ethic that we were raised with as far as good or bad goes. Now, if you're getting stuck going after what it is that you want, you have to ask yourself, why am I getting stuck there? What is that actually about? And every single time, you will realize that it is attached to something that I call a core wound. Now, here's what a core wound is. Let's make this really simple so everybody gets it and can actually do something with it. A core wound is when the initial needs of our psychology are not met as a child or an infant, and that would be worthiness and love. Those two things, those two things get damaged, where we don't think we're worthy of receiving what we need or we don't think that we're lovable. And the problem is, is that there's a lot of human beings because they're raised dysfunctional, do not communicate this well to their children. And they grow up in a place where they don't think that they're worthy of this, those two things. So their whole life becomes about survival. That's all they understand. And they stay in that lane. Now, does, that serves human beings pretty well. I mean, at least we can, we can survive in a very complicated world, but it's not gonna get you to the purpose of why you're actually here. So we have to teach ourselves that we're actually worthy and we have to teach ourselves that we're actually lovable. Now, here's the, this is the the part that becomes complicated because it's debated psychologically, scientifically all over the world. And that is, is there a belief in God or is there not? And if you go with just a scientific belief in human potential, no different than the great apes, you end up at this place where, you can't surpass the potential of your parents beyond the evolutionary concept however if you believe in god or spirit or a universal intelligence or a great intelligence or the architect of the universe whatever you believe in you can actually take that further right. in an ideology in your mind which then will manifest in your life because if you can think to yourself well god created me as an amazing person, a lovable person, a perfect person that is worthy of a purpose in my life, and my job is to just work to it, you have a different point of reference to work to versus what your parents thought. So whether you believe in a God or a a, a higher intelligence, understand that whether it's here or not, the actual facts, the statistics show, if we believe it, we can actually ourselves further in life than if we don't. Thank well, you so much.
0: Yeah, really powerful stuff. All right, my friends, we're uh, man, we we could just go day long, a full day here with you, Dave. And uh, and as much as we'd like to, let's uh, let's do this. Which is first and foremost, if if you missed any of today's. Incredible sit down uh, with David. Let's uh, let's get you over to Reinvention Radio. We'll release the full episode there. That'll come out uh, in about a week or so, somewhere somewhere around there anyway. But we'll release this full sit down uh, with David at, uh on Reinvention Radio, so you'll be able to access it there on the podcast. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast edition here of Reinvention Radio, uh, of course, definitely come and check out everything that we got going on uh, in Club Pod. Uh, David, once again, if people want to get in touch with you, they should go to your Instagram. They should DM you the word grow. And what do they get when they get the, when they DM you the word grow?
1: They're going to get a lesson that I just taught to a couple of thousand people about everything that I've been talking about, but in a sequential order that they can understand and apply.
0: Gotcha. And of course, check out David's really 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 good podcast which is called the successful mind uh and if you're a reader check out the millions within which is david's book uh it's about how to manifest exactly what you want and have an epic life david anything to add here before we uh officially wrap it up
1: the only thing that i would add is don't ever stop where you think you have to because your life is worth much more than that and steve i want to thank you so much for having me on the show it's been fantastic
0: yeah well we'll definitely uh well Hopefully, if we can get you back, we'll we'll do this again here. All right, my friends, and don't forget, before you go, follow everybody up here on stage, including David, uh, for sure. Tap on that handsome face right there, and uh, and make sure you give David a follow, as, as well as all the other speakers and moderators you see up here uh, on stage. Make sure you tap a little greenhouse. Join us in Club Pod if you're not yet a part of the fun there. Uh, and as we always do here as a way of saying thank you for hanging out with us in Club Pod, uh, if you're not yet a subscriber to Podcast Magazine, please go to clubpod.club. Uh, and that is a private backdoor link that we use here in ClubPod that will get you a free lifetime subscription to the magazine. So again, that is clubpod.club. All right, we are going to wrap up this edition here of Reinvention Radio Live here in ClubPod on Clubhouse. I'm Steve Olsher. Thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you guys really, really soon.